everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. A testimony of your story for His glory. He is a New York Times best-selling author, communicator, commentator, historian, cultural observer, and senior pastor of Skyline Wesleyan Church located in San Diego, California. His daily one-minute historical commentary, The Garlow Perspective, can be heard on over 800 radio outlets nationwide, and his numerous appearances on national television include NBC, ABC, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, and CNBC, just to name a few. With over 900 radio, television, and print interviews to date, both national and local, covering a wide range of topics, historical, theological, political, marriage and family issues, and cultural trends, is it any wonder that he would be tapped in 2010 by former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich to be the chairman of REAL, R-E-A-L, Renewing American Leadership, based in Washington, D.C. Through his role with REAL, ladies and gentlemen, our special guest today has partnered with the Alliance Defending Freedom for Pulpit Freedom Sunday, encouraging pastors nationwide to speak the truth and speak it boldly from their pulpits and without fear. Would you welcome with me to testimony and honor indeed, doctor of theology, author, pastor, and may I say, a leader of leaders and pastors, Dr. Jim Garlow. Dr. Garlow, welcome to testimony. And thank you. A joy to be on with you. It's great to have you, Dr. Garlow. I realize your time with us is limited today, so let's get right to it. Can you tell our listening audience and pastors everywhere just what Pulpit Freedom Sunday is, how it came into being, and the myth promulgated by the Johnson Amendment of 1954. Pastor Garlow, please tell us that story. July the 2nd, 1954, changed everything in America. Most people don't know what happened that day. But then Lyndon Baines Johnson, uh, the, the then senator from Texas, was returning to Capitol Hill. He was upset with two businessmen who had opposed him in his recent election. They thought he was soft on communism. He was running, of course, for senator at the time. And they opposed him through what's called 501c3s. That's a IRS delineation for a non-profit, not-for-profit corporation. And so there was a tax overhaul going through the Senate. He stepped up and he added a few words that became known as the Johnson Amendment. Now, records will show there was no discussion of this. It was a voice vote only. But it put a speech restriction on one category, what's called 501c3 three organizations. There are 29 categories under 501c, but one of them is called 501c3. And he put this speech restriction that a person could not endorse or oppose a candidate directly or indirectly because he wanted to silence those two opponents, those two enemies of his. His chief legislative aide would admit they didn't even have churches in mind. They didn't even think of churches. But immediately the IRS stepped in to enforce it. Of course, all churches are 501c3s. And we lost a 166-year tradition of freedom in the pulpit, and a whole cultural myth developed 
the pastors not only couldn't endorse or oppose the candidate directly or indirectly, but that they couldn't even speak on political issues. There's an ambiguity in the law. It's not clear what it means to indirectly oppose a candidate or endorse a candidate. Attorneys aren't sure. The IRS is not entirely certain what that is. And so for 58 years, there have been attempts to get it to court because the feeling is that the Johnson Amendment is unconstitutional based upon the First Amendment, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. In other words, no government intrusion in the pulpit. And that simply has not happened. It's not gone to court. It's not been allowed to get to court. And so finally, in 2008, the Alliance Defending Freedom hand-selected 33 pastors to, with intentionality, exercise their biblical authority and their constitutional rights of the First Amendment and defy this, what they believe is an unconstitutional regulation, and defy it in the pulpit and send their sermons in to the IRS, hoping to provoke a lawsuit because they knew they could win in court and uh, the attorney's going to support them pro bono and defeat the Johnson Amendment, get it moved, removed finally. Well, nothing happened. So the next year, 84 pastors did it. The following year, 100 pastors did it. Wow. Last year, 539 pastors did it. This year, 1,500 pastors at the same time will be intentionally exercising their First Amendment rights, defying what we believe to be an unconstitutional limitation upon us. And the result is they will send their sermons to the IRS and in hopes that a court case will come out of it. And all these pastors are being defended free of charge by the Alliance Defending Freedom, trying to reclaim freedom in the pulpit once again. Wow. And for those of you who may have just tuned in, you're listening to Dr. Jim Garlow, Senior Pastor of Skyline Wesleyan Church and proponent for Pulpit Freedom Sunday. For more information, you can go to www.pulpitfreedom.org. Dr. Garlow, you talk a little bit about the growth of this organization since 2008, and I just read a stat, I think from you recently, that this movement now has reached all of the 50 states and the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. Can you talk about that? That is correct. In fact, that just happened as of yesterday. Uh, for the first time, all 50 states are involved. It, it's a movement that pastors are, are getting a handle on because they realize how rapidly we are losing religious liberties in this in this country. Let me give you an example. If I was said 50 years ago, uh, tearing up a baby in the womb is a bad thing, people said, of course it is. Say it today, pastor, you're being political. If I have said 30 years ago that the practice or act of homosexuality is not acceptable to God according to the Bible, people would say, well, of course it, that's true. And we say it today, pastor, you're too political. If I would have said 10 years ago, marriage is a man between a man and a woman, people would say, well, of course it is. Say it today, pastor, now you're being political. The line has moved so rapidly that what we used to call and understand biblical preaching is now being labeled political. And the result is that people no longer recognize what is authentically biblical anymore. And what's developed in the is a cultural myth in the mind of people in the pew that Somehow we as pastors exchanged our right to speak on political issues for tax exemption for churches. That's not the case at all. The IRS didn't come into existence until around 1862. The so-called tax exemption of churches came from our founding fathers who said that whatever later on the Supreme Court would rule this way, whatever the government can tax, it can control, it can destroy. Our founding fathers said the government should have no intrusion into the life of the church, complete freedom. So ultimately, 
Someone's got to decide who's going to control the speech that happens in the pulpits of America. Is it going to be the government that's going to put limits on it, or is it going to be the pastors and the local church that decide? And we contend that it should be the pastors and the local church that decides what's said in that church, not the government anyway. Dr. Garlow, has any of the pastors who have spoken out biblically and politically and sent those sermons to the IRS been confronted with the IRS, fined by the IRS? How successful has the Alliance Defending Freedom Organization been in defending pastors who do this? Uh, there's a few churches that have gotten thank you notes saying we have your sermon. Now, we just <laughs> received around 700 great sermons, so <laughs> I would contend somebody must be getting saved there. It, it's uh, a lot of good sermons. At this point, there has been no lawsuit. What, what tends to play out in these cases, uh, if the IRS, this is before Pulpit Freedom Sunday began, if the IRS contacts a church, says you went too far. Now, just notice the phrase I used, if the IRS contacts a church. That means if the, if the, if the government's going to monitor what happens in the pulpits of America, we have to have pulpit police in effect in 300,000 churches in America. But when the IRS feels the church has gone too far in what was said in the pulpit, it will contact the church, and unfortunately, the churches are terrified and usually just kind of roll over and say, okay, we won't do it again, we won't do it again. And sure enough, they don't speak on anything. Now, the tragedy of that is that you can speak on personal issues, you can speak on family issues, you can speak on church issues, but if you make biblical application to national issues, biblical application to national issues, suddenly that's, con that's conceived as outside the framework of what any pastor is allowed to do with his biblical truth. Now, in those cases where a church actually lawyers up and says, we'll see you in court, the IRS strings them along for a year or two and then suddenly says, oh, we're going to close the case, just don't do it again. That's, all, that's the disappointment of the attorneys that want to get to court. They're willing to defend us pro bono, free, to get this case in front of a judge. And they're so confident that it, can be, it would be thrown out. To my attorney friends, they see it as a legal issue, and they should, because it is, at its core, a legal issue. But to me as a pastor, I see it in a completely different set of lenses, and that is as a spiritual issue. Mm -hmm. In other words, until the pastors are non-intimidated, not muzzled. I mean intimidated. Barry Lynn and the Americans United for the Separation of Church and State sent out letters to 60,000 pastors in the last couple weeks, 60,000, warning them, this is a left-wing organization, you better not speak anything politically. Wow. And that intimidates pastors, they believe that cultural myth, and they back away immediately, and they're afraid to make any application to national life from biblical truth. And I would pose the question, how has that worked out for us? Right. How's that, do, how's that working in America? Any, any community that, that's more righteous than it was 60 years ago can rise up. I'm reminded, Dr. Garlow, of that scripture that says the fear of man is a snare. Who are these pastors fearing, the government, the IRS, or God himself? How does that play a part in pastors speaking out boldly today? Can you speak to that in our remaining couple of minutes here today? Yeah, it even gets them more dicey than that. Most pastors don't fear the IRS because they don't even come remotely close to violation of the Johnson Amendment. They're so intimidated, they, they, they're, they're far back. There's pastors that believe they can't hand out voter guides. They actually believe they can't even register people to vote at their church, mind you. Mm -hmm. This is how far it's gone. One pastor was called by uh, about a candidate. He said, oh, I can't take this phone call in the church office. That's how, that's how, how far this has gone in intimidating uh, pastors. Most pastors don't fear the IRS because they're not close to it. What they're fearful of oftentimes is a misinformed 
layperson in the church who says on Monday morning in an email, Pastor, if you're going to be preaching like that, I'm going to take myself and my tithe check and go to another church. And that holds pastors into a level of fear. However, last year, when we did a conference call of the 539 pastors who intentionally, willfully exercised their constitutional rights of the First Amendment and their biblical authority, and they violated the Johnson Amendment regulation from the pulpit and sent those sermons in, the report across the board was congregations that broke in with applause. They had standing ovations. Some of the pastors says, I lost some of my sermon time because people wouldn't stop clapping. And the reports were, Pastor, you got to preach like this every week. In other <laughs> words, many people, I would submit most people, discerning spiritual people in the pew, know full well that a pastor should have the right to say what he wants, no government intrusion from the pulpit. The Johnson Amendment blocks a person from actually endorsing or opposing a candidate. We're not even saying a pastor has to do that. We're saying the pastor is the person in authority, along with his church, who decides whatever he says. He can say what he wants because no governmental intrusion in the pulpit whatsoever. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Dr. Jim Garlow, Senior Pastor of Skyline Wesleyan Church, Chairman of Real Renewing American Leadership, and one of America's bold voices for Pulpit Freedom Sunday. For more information, go to www.pulpitfreedom.org. Pastor Garlow, thank you so much for your bold witness for Jesus Christ, for emboldening pastors. May God bless you for your work for all of us in America and in our churches today. Enjoy being with you. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensen Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.